am Hannah Smay. And I'm Haley Robinson. And this is the Wild Idaho Podcast, coming to you from the Idaho Conservation League. The Idaho Conservation League is Idaho's leading voice for conservation, protecting the air you breathe, the water you drink, and the lands you love. Each month, we'll be exploring a new topic or current event that impacts the environment in Idaho. Join us to learn about the work we're doing and how you can get involved. Thanks for listening. Hello, listeners. This is Hannah, and I'm here with Jonas Seiler, ICL's River Conservation Fellow. Jonas is a river guide and a fly angler. He's a skier and a kayaker, and he's been working with ICL this year to bridge the conservation and outfitter and guide communities. And he is going to be my guest co-host today as we sit down virtually with Asa Menlov, class of 2020 at Boise's One Stone High School. Asa is a passionate angler who cares a whole lot about Idaho's rivers and fish, and he wants to see wild salmon and steelhead return to Idaho in abundant and harvestable populations. This year, Asa has led workshops with ICL to empower his peers in environmental advocacy, and he's testified at public hearings about the future of salmon and has had letters to the editor published in the Idaho Statesman and the Idaho Press. And we're just super excited to chat with Asa about high school advocacy and environmental advocacy in young folks. I think we can just go ahead and jump right in. Asa, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about you and your background and why you decided to get involved with environmental issues? Yeah, for sure. Thank you for the introduction, Anna. Um, So yeah, I am Asa Menlove. Uh, Like Hannah mentioned, I'm a senior at One Stone High School here in Boise. And pretty much for my entire life, I have been fortunate enough to be spending time fishing, skiing, rafting all throughout Idaho's wild places. And uh, the experiences that I've been able to have with those wild places and the wild things that live there have led me to really be super passionate about wanting to protect them and ensure that they're going to be around for the long, the long run. So I have been working with Jonas um, and with ICL for the majority of this school year. I guess that's the last eight months or so. And we've been working to try and foster a community of environmental activism among high schoolers in Boise. That's awesome. Does your family, are they all conservationists and environmental folks? Did you like go hiking and and rafting and fishing with your your parents when you were growing up? Definitely. Yeah, I should have mentioned... um, so my dad has been working in conservation for pretty much as long as I can remember. Um, we moved to Boise from Park City in 2004 so that he could start working at Winter Wildlands Alliance, which is a nonprofit that works to protect public lands in Idaho for non-motorized winter recreation. And then just recently, about a year ago, he's taken a job at the Nature Conservancy as their Idaho State Director. So he's been like a huge role model, I guess, for me just in the in the work that he's been doing. So I, I guess I've kind of uh, grown up just anticipating that I would do something similar. So it feels good to finally be doing it. Yeah, uh, I'll also share like, I don't know if you knew this, but my mom was sort of my conservation environmentalist inspiration growing up. And so I think that we're pretty lucky to be able to have grown up in the conservation circles and get these great lessons from our parents. Yeah, definitely. I should I should also mention um it's not just my dad, I guess. I, my mom deserves uh definitely some credit too. I think she might be mad at me if I don't mention her stuff. So, yeah, it, both of my parents have been uh super influential in like shaping the way that I interact with the natural world and the way that I now want to protect it. 
I'll, uh, I'll chime in here again. This is Jonas speaking. Something that comes to mind, Ace, as, as you were growing up, was there a kind of a time or maybe even a, a specific event or series of events that started to influence how you think about wild places in Idaho? And, you know, I know you're a fly fisherman and a skier and a rafter and all these things. Um, but what kind of spurred your transition from being more of your average high school student into being what I would consider a leader among your peers? That's a good question. I think, you know, like I said, environmental activism and conservation have always been a part of my life. Um, but I think I've really only stepped into that role pretty recently. I would say that like I really started to become more of a leader in that sense since starting with ICL back in September. I attended one of ICL's they actually had a workshop on um, how to get involved in the fight for salmon and steelhead. And I went to that and learned a bunch and then ended up testifying at the Northwest Power and Conservation Council. They held a public hearing just a few days after the ICL workshop. And so I went to that and testified on behalf of the fish. So that I, I would say that's like the real turning point. And then after that, it was kind of all downhill from there. I've just been doing one thing after another since then. Right. Yeah, it's so awesome. I came in there, I think, that Northwest Power Conservation Council meeting was at the very beginning of October. And I think that was the first time you and I met. And since we've kind of been on a little bit of a parallel track in you growing as an advocate. And so maybe we can get into a little bit more of the specifics of what you've been working on. Maybe you can run us through what your initial idea was. And I know that this was early on, it was a school project for your senior senior project, but it's certainly evolved into a lot more than that since then. So maybe just start out, what what was your initial vision for uh, what you wanted to accomplish in your senior year back in September or October? So this whole project started as what could compare to a senior project. Um, OneStone has these things called design labs, which are basically a student takes on an issue and works with a community partner to try and solve that problem in the community. So this was like my uh, senior design lab. And at the very beginning, I had talked with Jonas about making it very specific to salmon and steelhead related issues. So initially, I wanted to try and find some way that I could take action for salmon and steelhead. And it has definitely since evolved um, into something a lot bigger. I guess somewhere down the line, we realized that it didn't make sense sense to only focus on salmon and steelhead because a lot of the students in Idaho that are my age care about a wide variety of environmental issues. So we broadened it up at some point over the winter so that the goal was to try and create just a community of environmental activism among high schoolers in Idaho. So whether it's salmon and steelhead related, public lands related, climate related, any other number of other environmental issues, um, we just wanted to see high schoolers become really engaged. Yeah. No, that's the way I see it too. Um, just as a little bit of a reference point or some perspective, what drove you to have Salmon and Steelhead as your primary motivator for you personally? So like Hannah mentioned, I have been very invested in like the angling community in Boise, I would say. I worked at Idaho Angler, which is a fly shop over on Vista for a long time. That was like my first ever job and really a step into the salmon and steelhead world, I guess. But I would hear a lot from those guys about, you know, the, the populations are going down and this and that. And so that really got me interested, I guess. And I, it's always been like in the, in the back of my mind. Uh, and I never really got super educated on 
the overall conversation until I started working with ICL this September. Nice. Right on. So then you and I started working together a little bit. And uh, this is just a message for all the students out there that Asa put this together himself with some support from ICL. This wasn't a, a project that ICL did with Asa. This was Asa's project with support from us. So I think that's really important to recognize that he was the the driver here, not ICL. So there's a lot of support out there for students that want to make a splash in and make a difference on an issue that they care about. Anyway. It also sounds like, um, Asa, your first, you first came to ICL um, at one of our workshops that wasn't like specifically for high school students. You came to just one of our general workshops for everybody and you were like empowered mm-hmm. to go and then testify a couple of days later. Like, did you just show up by yourself? Did you just like show up? Like, I want to go to this. Um, or was it like a group of other students that you went with? I think the plan was that there were going to be a few other kids there with me, um, but they ended up bailing. So yeah, it was just me. That's awesome. Yeah. I think I was probably the youngest person in the room by like at least 10 years, I would say. That's so, that's super impressive. It is. And since then we've seen a, couple of instances of, of kids coming out of the woodwork if you kind of provide an opportunity for them, um, which is what Asa did. He started to work towards putting on a series of events, um, the first one of which I think was that early January, Asa? Yeah, I think that was like the second week of January. Yeah, and you put a ton of work into to organizing that. and We held it at ICL. Maybe, you know, I think the main thing of, about that event that it was geared towards students specifically, which I think was pretty unique. What was that experience for you like in setting up your first event and pushing it out on social media and making sure that there was accurate information as to when and how and all that kind of stuff? If you could give us some background. Definitely. Yeah, that was such a rewarding experience. I learned learned a lot from putting that on. Uh, just to provide some background, uh, the event that Jonas is referencing is an environmental advocacy workshop that I organized and then put on for high school students. And so the way that the event ran was we had three student speakers. So we had me and I talked about salmon and steelhead. And then we had a few of my friends. We had Chris talk about Midas Gold and the Stib Night Mine. And then we had uh, my friend Liam talk about climate change in Idaho. And they both did a great job. They're super knowledgeable on their topics. But it went really well. I think we had like 27 high schoolers in the room, which was definitely more than I was expecting. And the really cool thing was it, it wasn't just kids that I had known prior. They were like, I would say like half of the room was people I'd never seen before. So that was really cool. And that kind of confirmed my prior theory that like high school students really do want to get involved in these issues if you give them the opportunity. High school students really do want to get involved in these issues. Uh, They just don't quite know how. Um, And I think like that's an example of what happened with me is that I had no idea really where to start on Salmon and Steelhead. And then I showed up at the ICL workshop and here I am uh, eight months later. Nice. Good job, Asa. You had a second event that you put some time into putting on. Um, I wasn't at that one, but I know you had it down at Idaho Mountain Touring, and uh, I heard that you guys learned how to deal with adversity a little bit. How was the second one, and what was the what was different about that one? Um, yeah, the second one was a very similar structure. It was focusing specifically on salmon and steelhead. 
So we didn't talk about Stib9 or climate at that event. And I was the only speaker at that one. And you mentioned adversity. We couldn't get the projector to work at all. So uh, we all huddled up around my computer screen and gave the presentation that way. But I think despite all of that, it actually went really well. Again, we had a bunch of new faces there, which was super cool. And it all they all learned a bunch, it seemed like. And then, the, again, the majority of them ended up writing letters to Governor Little asking for the removal of the four lower Snake River dams. Um, in that, at that event, I guess, that was around the time that the draft environmental impact statement had been released for the Columbia River Systems Operations, which obviously will have a huge impact on salmon and steelhead. And essentially, that document, the DEIS, is... A plan for like what's going to happen in the Columbia River Basin for the next foreseeable future, and um, unfortunately, they did not choose to select dam removal as the preferred alternative. So, um, which I guess w- was not very surprising, but still disappointing. So that was the the focus of many of the letters that were written at that event. And I know that you engaged on that a little bit. Yeah. So for a little bit more background, DEIS stands for Draft Environmental Impact Statement. So this is a huge document that uh, was written by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, by the Bonneville Power Administration, and the Bureau of Reclamation. And so basically this is a plan that is reissued and updated uh, every few years. And uh, the most recent one came out in, let's see, February, I believe. And basically it's a plan for like what's going to happen um, in the Columbia River Basin for the next foreseeable future. And as many could have foreseen, this updated plan was really no different than past iterations of it in that it did not talk about uh, the prospect of dam removal, um, specifically the lower four Snake River dams. So that was definitely um, disheartening because as some might know, the best available science tells us that if we do not remove the four lower Snake River dams, that salmon and steelhead in the Columbia River Basin will go extinct. Yeah, I mean, so obviously the whole draft environmental impact statement public process was impacted by COVID-19. And in a typical DEIS process, you would have a bunch of public meetings where you could come and submit your comment. Um, And obviously this time around, that wasn't the case. So the comment process was uh, a call-in line where you could call in for four hours. I think they had six different ones and give a comment. And uh, Asa, I think you called in, right? And what was that experience like? I did call in, yeah. Um, That was just a few weeks ago, actually. Maybe not even that. The days seemed to blend together. (laughs) Um, I think it was the day of the earthquake. Yeah, it was. Um, It actually happened while I was on the call. That was like one week ago today, I think. Okay, yeah. That's strange. It feels like I can't tell if it feels like yesterday or feels like a month ago. Yeah, so last Tuesday I called in to give my public comment. Um, and basically the way it works is you like call in and then you get added to the queue and you just wait um, and you listen to everyone give their comment before you and then eventually it's your turn. So I think I was in the call for a total of like two and a half hours, maybe three hours um, before I got to give my public comment. But Basically, once I was given the floor, I just talked about the disappointment that I felt as a young person when I heard that the preferred alternative was not. You should read it. Okay. Do you want me to read the whole thing? It's like, it's like three minutes long, I think. That would be awesome. So this is the public comment that I wrote and then read during the uh, teleconference. So 
My name is Asa Minlove, and I'm an 18-year-old high school student from Boise, Idaho, and I care about wild salmon and steelhead. Unfortunately, I am neither impressed nor surprised by the quality of work displayed in this DEIS. As many could have predicted, this document accomplishes nothing more than its predecessors and is, once again, the same chewed up and spit out information repackaged. The preferred alternative suggested by the authors is entirely inadequate if we as a country are to accomplish our goals of ensuring that salmon and steelhead return to healthy and sustainable populations. As I'm sure that most of you are aware, the best available science tells us that if we do not breach the four lower Snake River dams, these fish will go extinct. The dams must come down, and they must come down now. While increased spill capacity through the dams during peak runs is a step in the right direction, it will at best only slightly loosen the stranglehold that we've placed on these fish. In the long term, this plan is meaningless, and it's the same plan that has been deemed illegal five different times. This plan fails to meet ecological standards, and it also fails to ensure the livelihood of Pacific Northwest tribes and the thousands of small businesses that rely on these fish. Since their construction, citizens of the Pacific Northwest have been calling for the removal of the four lower Snake River dams, and we have been shut down and ignored year after year. Everything I love about the West rides on the backs of salmon. Our cold, clean rivers, vast green forests, diverse ecosystems, and rich cultural heritage. I've been fortunate enough to grow up rafting and fishing our rivers, skiing our mountains, and recreating in our beautiful forests. These activities have become structurally integral to my well-being as a person, both mentally and physically. Idaho's wild things and places are the reasons I will always call this state my home, and defending them means defending salmon and steelhead. As a young person, nothing frustrates me more than when out-of-touch adults tell me that slightly more affordable power for an extreme minority is worth more than the ecological future of my home. Are these acts of environmental and social injustice worth protecting a failing system? No. Each industry that these dams benefit can make adjustments to accommodate the breaching of the dams. It'll take effort and it'll take new ideas, but I know that we're capable. You have the opportunity here to be leaders for the entire country. By breaching the four lower Snake River dams, you would be defending the West's ecosystems, history, culture, and citizens. I ask that you include dam breaching as the preferred alternative in the final EIS. Thank you. Um, so yeah, that was my uh, public comment for the DEIS that I read in the teleconference last Tuesday. That's awesome, Asa. That's super powerful. Jonas, do you want to share with our listeners a little bit about how they can engage with the DEIS process or how they can make their voice heard about salmon and steelhead? Yeah. So as I mentioned before, the whole process has been a little bit modified due to the fact that we can't actually gather and have public comment. But you can still comment until April 13th. So you do have a few more days to comment. And the way you do that is you find the CRSO, the Columbia River System Operations Plan, DEIS, and that's an easy Google right there, and you can pull that up. And it's a pretty easy process. Follow the link to comment, and there's a comment box, and you can type your thoughts in there. Don't worry about being technical or knowing a ton of super specific facts or anything like that. Um, This is a process where... The Army Corps of Engineers, the Bureau of Rec, and the Bonneville Power Administration, they want to hear your comments and what you think. Um, So every comment counts, so don't worry too much about being technical and all that kind of stuff. But um, it's as easy as a Google search on the CRSO, the Columbia River Systems Operations, and the DEIS there, and it should take you right in there. You can make a comment. It takes 10 minutes um, to do that, to submit what you think, and to let folks know that you care about salmon in Idaho and in the Snake River Basin. So... Um, a lot simpler than you would think. 
if people are listening um, after the deadline, are there any other ways that they can write letters or make public testimony or reach out to um, decision makers about restoring Salmon and Steelhead? Yeah, definitely. So this issue, if you've been following it, has been going on for 25 years or more. And the DEIS is the sixth, I believe, in a long line of EISs that have been appealed and rejected. And that's why we've had six in a row, because each time it's been considered inadequate and they've had to start over. So there is another route to which we could potentially achieve salmon and steelhead recovery, and that would be uh, politically. So the other way that you could get involved is to write letters to the editor, get it in the Idaho Statesman or your local newspaper, write letters to your representatives and your senators, um, and especially to Governor Little, to let him know that you as an Idahoan or as a, a Northwest resident in Oregon or Washington or even Montana, Montana's part of this conversation as well, um, that you care about Sam and Steelhead and that you feel that their continued existence is Im- important to you and to your kids and to future generations. So there's a lot to be done beyond just engaging in the DEIS process. Um, and so we can dive into that a little more too um, at a different episode. But I want to return to Asa and I want to kind of circle back to some of the things that you were saying in your testimony and some of the lessons that you learned when you were organizing and implementing the workshops. Uh, this winter about why it's important that high schoolers and middle schoolers and young people and students get involved in environmental issues right now. Um, And I also love to hear a little bit about what sort of tactics that high schoolers seem to, I don't know, resonate with a little bit more. Because some of the stuff that you were doing, Asa, is seems pretty old school. I mean, you were like calling in, you said, I was on a call for three hours, which is not something that I bet many 18-year-olds would say in their in their day-to-day life. And so I just want to hear a little bit more about um, how you have engaged with your, your peers and other students, sort of the younger generation and environmental issues. Definitely. Yeah, that's a great question. I think for the younger generations, we, uh, whether we like it or not, are going to be the recipients of all of these environmental issues. And so we can either put that responsibility off for a little while and, uh, you know, potentially not find a solution at all, or we can be uh, proactive and do what we can now, you know, as past generations have to try and find solutions to these issues. And that's something that I've seen in this overall experience is that like people my age really, uh, as I was saying before, do care about all these issues. They just don't have direct avenues to take action on them. Like the average high schooler doesn't know where or even that they can comment publicly on this federal document. That's just not information that's readily made available to high school students. Um, and so that is, that's definitely like part of the mission for me has been to try and bridge the divide between the more technical action opportunities and the uh, desire for action by the high school students. So that's been really successful. And then it's also been, what else has been successful is uh, just engaging on like social media and uh, in person with some of my peers after every like testimony or public comment or like letter that I write I always try and post something on my Instagram about it just to keep trying to spread the word about these issues I guess what's been super cool for me is like every once in a while um, every few weeks I'll get a message on Instagram or wherever from someone that I don't talk to super often 
and they'll be asking me about salmon steelhead or about Midas gold. And so that's been super cool for me to like kind of just become someone that my peers can ask for information about those kinds of things. Because I know that like uh, a year ago, that would have been me. And, you know, I would have been wanting to ask uh, whoever was in the know at that point. So I think that just goes to show how easy it is for someone that would would have been in my shoes, you know, a little more, a little over a year ago to uh, start taking action and kind of uh, go down the same path that I have. That's awesome. It feels like you're saying that social media is this amazing tool for connection and that people who are curious about certain issues can easily find you and can um, follow you and you are kind of an expert on there. And this is just a brief question before we'll jump into the uh, the seek position, which we'll talk about in a second. But I'm dying to know if you're on TikTok, Asa, and if tick, you're going to become like the TikTok Idaho salmon and steelhead expert. Oh, man. That, um, I am not on TikTok yet. That would be a okay. brand new demographic for me. <laughs> so maybe I'll have to brainstorm some ways I get involved with that audience. Maybe we should add that to the seek job description. And like have like become a TikTok influencer. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, our listeners are dying to know what the seek position is. So will you explain it to us? Yeah. So this is like the second half of the stuff I've been working on with Jonas and with ICL. So seek is an abbreviation that's S-E-A-C, and that stands for the Student Environmental Activism Coordinator. So this person would be a high schooler in Idaho, and they'd work directly with Idaho Conservation League to try and um, continue to develop a community of environmental activism among high schoolers in Idaho, both locally to Boise and then regionally as well. This position would be very similar to the things that I've been doing with ICL for the past year. This person would definitely plan and execute events that would bring the community together around these issues, and then at those events, you know, provide the uh, the attendees with tools needed to take action. So for example, like how to write a letter for this issue or for whatever the focus of the event is. This person would also develop relationships with members across multiple communities, uh, whether it's teachers, students, uh, business owners, elected officials, and then definitely the Idaho Conservation League staff as well. You'd really get a behind the scenes look at what happens at ICL and the magic that they do there. So uh, the SEEK would also be doing a lot of outreach to high schools statewide, um, trying to get them involved in conservation issues. So that would look like distributing information to teachers, students, maybe visiting the schools, talking with the pre-existing clubs there, whether they have like a green club or a conservation club or uh, whatever already might exist there. This person would also be maintaining a baseline knowledge of Idaho's most pressing conservation issues. So, you know, the the ones that I've been focusing on have been salmon and steelhead, public lands protection, you know, Midas gold, and then climate change. And then this person would also maintain an understanding of the local, regional, and national political system as they relate to conservation issues. So, you know, whether it's knowing the process for writing letters to your elected officials or understanding the like the NEPA process, which is National Environmental Protection Act. And that essentially is an, an umbrella for all of like the federal documents that come out on these issues. The SEEK would just maintain an, an understanding of all of that uh, and be able to distribute that information to their peers. Jonas, do you have anything to add to the position description? 
I think you covered it pretty well. I guess the only thing I'd like to add is that this is a pretty, this is a very flexible position and it can be a lot of things. It can be what the students want it to be. So ICL is just there to support the issues that students care about um, would be the main thing that I'd underline out of what you said there. Definitely. Yeah. This, um, whoever comes in next year definitely does not have to focus on any of the things that I've been putting my focus on. You know, if, if they have an entirely different set of interests that uh, is encouraged for sure. Focus being the key word there, because I think there is a bit of an expectation that whoever comes into this position gain the knowledge uh, to speak on some level to each of the four campaigns that ICL works on, but doesn't necessarily have to specialize in salmon or steelhead or public lands. Um, There's a lot more flexibility to do individual events or things like that just a reminder that ICL's four campaigns are restoring salmon and steelhead to Idaho, cleaning up the Snake River, protecting public lands across the state, and then making Idaho carbon neutral, fighting climate change in Idaho. So those are the four campaigns, and ICL works on other issues as well, agricultural issues, food issues, sustainable communities, water quality. Um, and so it sounds like this student position could could help them both gain sort of a breadth of knowledge about environmental issues in Idaho, but also kind of dive deeper into some of the issues that they're passionate about, like Asa did this year with with salmon and steelhead. I know that in Ketchum, where I live, and in the Wood River Valley, there's a ton of student activism, a ton of student involvement on specifically on climate change issues. And there's been uh, folks working really hard to like ban plastic bags in the in the county and do a lot of climate advocacy up there. And it's really exciting. I mean, I think nationwide and globally, there's a youth movement, youth environmental movement right now. And there's a few prominent people that I'm sure everybody knows out there fighting for climate. And I don't know, it's just really exciting to see that happen in Idaho and have it be focused on on Idaho issues and the things that matter to Idaho residents and the people who want to make Idaho their like lifelong home and to show their own children some of the wonders of Idaho, whether that's public lands, clean air, clean water, or as we've talked about a lot on this episode, healthy, amazing, abundant populations of salmon and steelhead in Idaho's rivers. So it's just, I'm really excited about it. And I'm so excited, Asa, that you were able to work with us this year and sort of take some next steps and becoming an environmental advocate and learning a lot about that process and then helping other folks to follow in your footsteps. And um, I want to thank you. I'm really glad that you and Jonas were able to work together this year and make some really cool stuff happen. Right. Asa, if you could, if you could give yourself some advice from a year ago or even 10 months ago to get involved in issues you care about, what advice would that be? I think I would say um, talk to talk to the folks at ICL sooner. That really was the the major leap for me. You know, as soon as I built a relationship with with Jonas and uh, everybody else at ICL, it really came super easily. You know, like it felt very natural to start doing the things that I've been doing. So if anyone out there is interested, you can definitely feel free to contact me. Um, but if you don't know where to do that, uh, feel free to reach out to anyone at Idaho Conservation League, they were extremely, extremely supportive of me throughout this entire process, and I definitely would have not have been able to do it without them. So, hey, so what's the best way um, 
for our listeners to reach you if they want to ask you other questions or see what you're up to. Is it Instagram? Should we plug your Instagram on this? <laughs> um, yeah, feel free. It's just my name. Um, that's A-S-A-M-E-N-L-O-V-E. So yeah, hit me up on there if you have any environmental questions or if you want to go fish. Yeah, we'll make it happen. Awesome. Thank you both so much. It's been really fun to talk to you and kind of hear your journey over this last year. Thank you both for coming on to the Wild Idaho podcast. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. Yeah, Yeah. thank you very much. Thank you, Hannah, for putting this together.